You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. We're also joined by John Kegley, one of the original members of the show, to get into his specialty, What Went Wrong Today. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. We are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network. We've been doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination, live covering the team for the last five seasons, and you can check that out weekly on Facebook. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, another chance to bask in a win on Sunday from the Chargers. But, of course, even in a win like that, there's a lot to talk about on what went wrong today, which we're going to get into what went wrong and what went right. So we will finish things on a positive note at the end of the show. And there's a lot to talk about in what went right as well on both sides of the ball, I would say, probably except for the special team side of the ball. But I guess they did force a fumble but we are going to be starting with the news that we have an update on Virgil Green's injury and it's not quite as bad as it looked when it happened on Sunday and Anthony also opened up about whether he is going to bring in a new kicker so you're going to want to hear about that but let's go ahead and get into it on Monday we got an update on Los Angeles Chargers tight end Virgil Green and his injury and also the kicking situation for the Chargers this is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story the Chargers won 39-29 against the Jacksonville Jaguars last Sunday, but one of the things that went wrong for the team on the day was that their second-string tight end, Virgil Green, was injured on a great touchdown catch in which he had to exit the game and did not come back, and the injury itself was pretty hard to watch. His ankle got very turned around, and we weren't really sure what to expect because he went to the sideline and he ended up having to get carted from the sideline into the locker room. So when you see that, you expect the worst. But Ian Rappaport did report that Chargers tight end Virgil Green, who exited exited yesterday right after scoring a touchdown, is a candidate for injured reserve after suffering a lateral ankle sprain. Source said x-rays were negative, but Green will miss several weeks. He should return later this season. So David, it looks like another Chargers player is probably going to end up on injured reserve, but it's still not as bad as we thought. Yeah, definitely not as bad as we thought because when we initially saw that play, it looked really bad. It looked like that ankle definitely was twisted in a position that it was not supposed to, that it was not naturally supposed to, and it definitely looked like it was going to be a very severe injury. So it is very good news that the x-rays came back negative and that he's only going to miss a few weeks and that he is going to be able to hopefully come back at some point this season. Virgil Green looked like he was getting a little bit of a rhythm with Justin Herbert as well. Three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown on the season. He was never really a big receiving threat. He was mostly a blocker, an extra blocker for the run game and, and to give a little extra protection for Justin Herbert. But Him being gone is going to allow the Chargers to evaluate what they have in Donald Parham Jr. and Steven Anderson. A lot of valuable playing time for these guys, and Donald Parham 
two catches, two touchdowns. Steven Anderson, we haven't seen a whole lot of, so we're probably going to be able to see what we have and what the Chargers have in these two young tight ends. And also, Virgil Green is going to be a free agent after the year, so this is going to be valuable evaluation information for the Chargers organization. Absolutely, and I think the one that intrigues you most has to be Donald Parham because he does only have two catches for those two touchdowns, but the one thing we really haven't seen is him in catch-and-run situations. All of his targets, for the most part, have been in the end zone, so I would be interested to see that because he was breaking off 60-plus yard touchdowns in the XFL, and we know he has a long speed that we really haven't been able to see yet, but I think it is going to be a good time for the Chargers to figure out the future at the position because not only is he an unrestricted free agent in Virgil Green, Hunter Henry is going to be an unrestricted free agent after being on the NFL franchise tag this year as well. But some more information that we got on Monday was Anthony Lynn talking about his kicking situation because Michael Badgley has really been struggling. And when asked if he was going to try out kickers this week, he emphatically said no. And they said that they still have confidence in Michael Badgley, but did say they haven't seen him be in a stretch like he currently is in and David we all have seen how bad it has been he's now missed a field goal in three straight games but the Chargers right now are content to keep putting him out there yeah it just doesn't seem like Michael Badgley has that same swagger that we've seen in previous years I mean this is a a very confident young man a guy that had some personality that seemed to have fit in with the rest of the guys most times kickers are outcasts guys that don't really fit in with the rest of the guys in the locker room but Michael Badgley always seemed to be one of the guys and it just doesn't seem like he's walking around with that same swagger right now so far in the season he's went he's gone nine for 13 on field goals and he's missed two extra points and also his accuracy percentage has dropped Every single year, it started at 91, went to 81, and has dropped to 69 this year. And he's also only two of six from 50 yards or more. In the NFL, they expect you to make those kicks. And although Anthony Lynn has said that he has full confidence in Michael Badgley and his ability to go out there and make kicks, if he continues to falter in these big situations and missing kicks to lose, football games for the Chargers, the Chargers would be doing themselves a disservice if they did not go out there and actively try to improve their special teams, a special teams unit that has been one of the worst in the NFL this year, Daniel. Yeah, according to Football Outsiders, DVOA, they do have the worst special teams unit of the entire NFL, and that was going into a week in which they got a punt blocked and missed the PAT and a field goal. And for Michael Badgley, I think part of the reason that he's still on the team is his relationship with the players and the coaching staff. He does seem to have a very good relationship with those guys. But I think the Chargers are also scared that they're going to let somebody go too soon because it did happen with Josh Lambeau, who has been historically good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even Young Way Koo, a guy they had in here a couple of years ago, has been really, really good so far this season with the Atlanta Falcons. But at the end of the day, the Chargers are losing games because of the kicking situation and having games be much closer than they should be. So if it continues this week, you'd have to expect at some point they're going to have to try out a new kicker instead of just running the same guy out there that continues to miss kicks. But we do have two more segments to get into because we do have to get into what went right and what went wrong. We're going to start with what went wrong and our expert on all things wrong, John Kegley. But before that, I need to tell you guys this episode is brought to you by Pepsi because this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. For me, it's pretty much always just pulling my hair out even in a game the Chargers won by two scores. I still sit on the edge of my couch 
with my Pepsi. And the thing about it is it's not made for people who play the game. It's made for those who watch it because it's the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because they are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi made for football watching. All right, guys, well, it's time to dig a little bit deeper into Sunday's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even though the Chargers won, I mean, there was a lot left to be desired on the field on Sunday because even though the Chargers ended up with the victory, it did not seem like that was going to happen for a little while. And once again, the Chargers ended up blowing a big lead. And we'll get into that, but we have to start with John Kegley, who is the expert of all things pessimistic and negative energy and, most importantly, everything that went wrong for the Chargers. So, John, when you look at this game, what do you think went most wrong for this Chargers team, even though they got the win? These intros just keep getting better and better for me, man. I have to keep finding a new ringtone with your voice. Wow. It's amazing. I'm going to have to go with not being consistent with the play calling. I think that was a big contributor to the Jaguars starting to come back. You had the offense running screens, reverses. You were all over the place with your offense, and it was great. You even got Joe Reed going. And then for some reason, you went away from it, and you started going back to your old ways, and you started getting three and outs. You started getting stopped. I don't know why you would go away from what's working, especially on the defensive side. Defensive side, you were shutting down the run and making Minshew try to beat you, and then it's like you started to back off and go back into the conservative, soft defense. What exactly are you gaining from switching away from what is working? It, it bothered me the whole game. Yeah, I understand that. I would say on the defensive side of the ball, especially on that one drive, I mean, the play calling was actually pretty aggressive. You had the blitz on the DJ Shark 26-yard reception, and then you also have the play where Rayshon Jenkins is in tight man coverage with LaVisca Chanel and then can't make the tackle, and that leads to all of the sloppy tackling. You also had to take off seven points that the Chargers you know, allowed in this game from the defense because of that block punt as well. But, I mean, consistency has been the key thing for the Chargers. They just have not been able to get right all season long. I mean, you go from a drive where you're pulling out Easton Stick for two plays and giving Josh Kelly direct snaps, and then you're seeing you know, somewhat vanilla offense after that before halftime. So I definitely understand the frustration there. And then even coming out of halftime, there was that you know meltdown as well that led to the block punt. But I think that's where we have to go next, David. And what went wrong was just the Chargers having that one stretch of the game again in which they have a huge lead. And then just like that, I mean, early in the third quarter, it's gone. It was almost gone before halftime in this game. But you get out 16-0. You end up giving up 14 points before halftime. And then you come out offensively get to a th- fourth and one situation, you decide to punt it back to them, it gets blocked, and now all of a sudden you're down instead of up. It's 21 to 16 at that point. So I think that's another thing you have to talk about about what went wrong in this game was just the Chargers getting that big lead, starting out hot again, and then early in the third quarter you've already lost the lead and now you're playing from behind. Yeah, one of the big things is the the defense before halftimes continues to be terrible. You let them get into the end zone on a little swing pass out to the running back where Casey Hayward basically just two-hand touches him, and, and he runs right past him into the end zone. It was a very poor effort there. 
And that just that that sense that, oh, no, that they're going to come back again. It's something that has happened over and over and over, and the Chargers have not corrected it. They did correct several things in this game. They did get much better, but this was one of the things that has continuously plagued the Chargers, and it did again in this one. But for me, my what went wrong was the running game on both sides on offense they were terrible. Take away Justin Herbert, and they they go for 23 carries for 69 yards and only three yards a carry. That is not great. And then, of course, on the defensive side, you allow James Robinson to run for 22 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown, giving him 5.4 yards a clip. That is terrible. The run offense and the run defense were not good in this game. Yeah, specifically the running backs. I mean, both running backs failed to make a big impact on the ground. Josh Kelly, 12 for 29, 2.4 yard average. Justin Jackson, the same 2.4 yard average, 5 for 12. I mean, the only guy that did have a good yard per carry clip was Troy Main Pope, who went 1 for 6. He was averaging 6 yards a carry, couldn't get back on the field. But the Chargers losing at the line of scrimmage is something that we really have seen over the last few weeks. You thought it would get a little bit better with Justin Jones, but he was on a snap count during this game. And even when he was out there, it wasn't just shutting the Jaguars run offense down. And Jerry Tillery continues to be a problem as far as being able to have an anchor and just stick in one spot. If he gets double teamed, not, I mean, let alone, you know, getting penetration. He did have a couple times that were pretty decent as a pass rusher, but John, I mean, you just can't continue to let these teams win in the trenches. Hopefully you can get some guys back like Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, and obviously that helps, but you're not opening up holes in the running game. You're getting beat defensively for seemingly, I mean, even when the Chargers were doing really good defensively at the beginning, usually those drives started with like a five-yard carry on first down, and then they threw it twice and had two incomplete passes or one incomplete pass and a sack. I mean, they were still kind of getting whatever they wanted all day, and that's just not a sustainable thing to have for the Chargers. You're going to lose games if you continue to lose in the trenches. And I actually had a thought about this. Um, I want your opinion, your guys' opinion on this after I make my point, but I feel we started getting really bad at stopping the run when we switched from a 3-4 to a 4-3 defense. I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with that at all, but I feel like that's where we started messing up because there's a lot more holes there, and we don't exactly have that big linebacker that's going to stuff every hole and make the right read to stuff the running back every single time, which is what you need in a 4-3. But with our defensive line, we don't have exactly the most penetrable linemen that you can find. We have a bunch of big bodies, but as far as using the swim move or overpowering somebody. We just don't have it inside. We have that on the outside with Bosa and Ingram, even Nwosu with his speed. But other than that, you don't have that power and that swim move. You just have big bodies that take up space. And I think that's a big problem for our D-line. And the offensive line, when is it going to happen? When are we going to get Turner and Bulaga? When is this going to happen? Because as of right now, it's looking like wasted money, wasted trade. You got guys that are supposed to be top talent, make this offensive line look really good, and they're not even playing. It's it's becoming a major headache right now. 
It's definitely been a headache. It's been something that's been really, really annoying. I think we all were all really excited when the Chargers went out and got a legit ride tackle and then got went and traded for Trey Turner. We're like, okay, we actually got some dogs on the offensive line, and we have barely seen them play at all. And to your point on the defensive line, John, I don't think we've seen a lot of guys just like shoot gaps and be really aggressive to get to the quarterback or get to the ball carrier. We haven't seen a whole lot of that. The Chargers don't just don't have a lot of – interior defensive linemen that can do those type of things yeah I mean I would agree with that I think personnel has a lot to do with it the problem with going you know being a 3-4 or 4-3 is now if you go back to having the 3-4 now you're turning you know Joey Bosa into a linebacker and Melvin Ingram into a linebacker which you want them on the line of scrimmage you don't want them rushing you don't want them out there in coverage but as far as I mean in those situations though you have three guys in the middle of the defense And if you don't have elite linebackers that can come up and clean everything else up when you don't have guys that can get that kind of penetration, it's always going to be tough. But I think when you look at it, it's so hard to tell just because there hasn't been a ton of talent there. I mean, even Limbaugh Joseph is really good at what he does, and he's not getting pushed around a lot. I can promise you that. I mean, they're usually not running towards him or, you know, he's getting double teamed at the point of attack. But it's just really hard to say that one formation is better than the other because we haven't really seen really talented interior linemen. I mean, Darius Phylon, Corey Legit, Brandon Meebane. I mean, those aren't guys that are going to strike a lot of fear into the heart of opposing offenses. So I, I think if you got really good talent up there and you got some guys that were really good at stopping the run and getting penetration, you could kind of make that conclusion. But we just haven't really seen it yet. But the last thing I want to get to as far as what went wrong has to be the special teams because – once again, it was just a nightmare in this game. We talked about before the Chargers have lost a lot of guys. Adrian Phillips, Derek Watt, Jeremy Davis, Nick DeZubiner. But last year, if you go back to the DVOA of the Chargers special teams, it was still last in the NFL. And this year, it's last in the NFL still. So something has to change. George Stewart, I mean, that just hasn't worked out for the Chargers team. Many other special teams coordinators are running out undrafted free agents in third and fourth string players. So understandably, there's not a lot of talent out on those teams, especially with injuries. A lot of those guys aren't really playing as much special teams. And the ones that are are guys that are much newer to the team. But either way, it has to be better. And George Stewart has not been the answer for that. You have to be better even with whatever guys you have out there because just fundamentally it isn't working. And then just a couple more things on Michael Badgley. He is actually 21 of 21 on field goals under 40 yards. So I guess that's a feather in his cap. He's hitting the easy ones, but this year he's missed on the easy PATs. David, you talked about 14 out of 16. He had only missed one PAT going into this year. So, I mean, in the two seasons, the Chargers had him really a season and a half. He only missed one. This year it's been two. There's something out of sync. He's missed a field goal in four out of the six games so far this season, and even if it's uncomfortable, even if you, you have to be a little bit unsure about the guy that you're bringing in, whether he's going to perform, because if elite kickers are out there, somebody probably would have picked him up. I mean, look at the Los Angeles Rams. They just got Kai Forbath. He's probably going to take over for them. But it's always sketchy trying out a new kicker. And Charger fans have really felt this before. I mean, you don't want to start that carousel again. But something has to change for this team because it has been downright awful. But we do want to finish things on a positive note, so we got to get into what went right. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you're looking for any kind of piece 
for your car, any kind of part that you need, there's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront, so why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders your parts on his computer when you can just get it in a few easy clicks from rockauto.com? And the nice thing is, is they're going to have the biggest inventory that you could choose from, whether you need motor oil, tail tail lamps, brake parts, or even a new carpet, you can find it in rockauto.com and you can do it without ever leaving your house and have it show up right at your doorstep. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the good from this game. I think there was a lot to talk about there. I mean, Justin Herbert, once again, by himself is just something that went right, especially facing the adversity that he did in this game. But, David, I have to start in one place for the Chargers, and that is finishing the game. And it's not just the touchdown to go up by a touchdown or the touchdown even to tie it later on in the third quarter, but... On the defensive side, you end up getting off the field twice with the Jaguars trying to come out. Once is a turnover on downs. The other one is a punt. And I thought that was really nice to see because one score there, even if it's a field goal, makes it feel like a much different game. And the Chargers just in general making the plays down the stretch to finish off a game, even though they blew it. I mean, that almost makes this better in some ways just because you had what had happened the last couple of weeks happen again. The other team comes back to take the lead, but this time you were able to retake it and hold on to it. Yeah, not only did they answer when they did go down, but they go up by two scores and they really put the game away, which is something we obviously have not seen pretty much at all this entire season. So it was good for the Chargers to really get that feeling on offense and on defense, score the points, get up by two scores, stop them, and end the game in victory formation when you know the other team knows there's absolutely nothing that they can do. This is definitely a loss for them and a win for you. So definitely putting the game away and actually securing the victory, being aggressive and going out and grabbing the victory Definitely a major what went right for this one. For me, my first thing that went right is the pressure showed up on Sunday against the Jags. They had five sacks, seven tackles for loss, and nine QB hits. And also I want to highlight Echenna Nwosu getting after the quarterback. He had a great game. He was all over the field playing special teams as well as getting after the quarterback. So great pressure for the Chargers, something obviously we, ta- we talked about before going into the week. They did not get after the quarterback at a good enough rate. They had an opportunity to get after Gardner Minshew, and they did just that. Yeah, and on basically all of their positive drives, they kept him in the pocket too. I mean, the one time he gets out of the pocket on a nice drive, but Rayshon Jenkins shoots the gap and ends up you know, tackling him before he can get that first down and getting the ball back. That was definitely something that went right as well. But I'd have to agree with that. I mean, the Chargers ended up early on in the game really getting to Gardner Minshew. He totally shut down in the first quarter, didn't have a completion in the first quarter, and his first four drives were all three and outs 
on the day. So he ended up getting some success in the middle, which is something that was more of the wrong side of things. But I do want to go back to Justin Herbert really quickly. This is from Daniel Popper. The full list of quarterbacks in the NFL history with 340 passing yards, three plus touchdowns, and 50 plus rushing yards with a rushing touchdown and no turnovers in a game. That's only Justin Herbert. He's the only rookie quarterback to ever do that. But for me, John, it's in that third quarter that I really want to highlight because everything's going wrong for the Chargers. And once again, you see Justin Herbert making some pretty heroic throws and even taking a touchdown in himself in that third quarter. The Chargers had scored one touchdown all season. You end up getting the first touchdown which is a Virgil Green 26-yard touchdown. That was really nice. Another you know linebacker versus tight end matchup. He makes a perfect throw, and it gets another touchdown. Then you get the 70-yard touchdown to Jalen Guyton, and I like that because you go from a screen pass. The next play, you take a deep shot. When you kind of have them on their heels, the pass rush isn't coming as hard because they're kind of worried about the screen pass now. Then you hit them over the top. That was great. And then Justin Herbert getting the five-yard rushing touchdown, taking it himself, rolling out and doing something that you wanted, getting out there and having that opportunity to run. That third quarter was so impressive for Justin Herbert. After having a really tough game in the first half, he comes back and gets you, you know, 21 points in one quarter and gets you right back in the game. Or 20 points, I guess, actually, because the the failed two-point conversion. I think you also got to mention something else that went right to go with that, and that is just how all over the place our play calling was besides the second quarter really but you had a team running reverses you had joe reed actually getting in the mix for once like you've been complaining for that forever and he's finally in and scores a touchdown you had herbert doing the read option and actually taking it and running herbert rolling out of the pocket and being able to run the ball if no one's open and a lot more crossing routes that were used too. You got Keenan Allen open a lot in this game with this, with all of your game planning. I loved it. Definitely and another Herbert, thing that went right for sure. And Herbert took advantage of this really well in the third quarter and actually was making a lot of plays with it. He was using the the option to run really well and throwing the ball up to the tight ends in this game. When you get that linebacker tight end matchup, you got to take it. And it's been showing a few times this year that when we get that opportunity, we make big plays with it. So that there's a lot of safety manipulation on those plays too, looking off the safety to keep them to one side of the field. Well, and they tortured Schobert like all game long too. Which is something I was going to bring up. Which is why can't our game plan be something that sets that up from now on? It's obvious that when Herbert throws a ball to a tight end on a linebacker, it's major money. Why not set that up somehow? Do different plays here and there that set up those big plays. You have Hunter Henry. Virgil Green might be gone, but you still got Parham. You got guys that will make the plays. Steven Anderson was supposed to have this big training camp that he was supposed to be really good. He could be a part of this too. That could be a major weapon for you, and you have Herbert running out of the pocket to make big plays with his feet if the coverage is, isn't there. This should be part of our game plan now, and Herbert is going to be the guy that makes that happen. You couldn't do this with Rivers because it would be all pocket pre- presence. You just got to cut off the throwing lanes, but now you have a guy outside the pocket. It makes more plays. Yeah, and I think part of what that came from was the Chargers throwing on earlier downs, right? I mean... That is something that we've been looking for them to do more and, you know, pass to open up the run. And we even have some great stats here. This is from Warren Sharp 
at Sharp Football on Twitter. The Chargers usually run the ball on 54% of first downs. In Sunday's game, they pass the ball on first down 59% of the time. These are Justin Herbert's numbers on early downs in this game. A 10.1 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and 137 passer rating. So being able to throw on those non-throwing downs is something we've been looking forward to a lot. You know, the jet sweeps and all those things were hoping to open up the middle of the field, but that was a positive thing from Sunday. So you're hoping that it's not just the bad defense they were going up against in Jacksonville that really dictated that. Hopefully, David, that's something we see some more going forward because that's an unpredictable thing to do. If you can keep them off balance and you're not just bashing your head into the brick wall, it's always going to make your offense better. And this week it led to 39 points. Absolutely. Absolutely for sure. And if you're asking yourself, is that good? Yes. Yes, that is very, very good. And it was a nice change, a welcome change, something that we asked for too is, hey, let's mix it up a little bit on early downs, throw it a little bit more, give the put the ball in Herbert's hands. I know, John, you said, hey, let, let, the, guy, let the guy go throw the football a little bit more. They did that. They had a lot more success. They go out there and win a football game. And, hey, we can't talk about this game without giving a little bit of credit to the offensive line too. I mean, yeah, I know they're not going up against – you know, pretty much any pass rushers of any kind, but they did not allow a lot of pressures. Uh, they only, I believe, gave up only one sack on the game, so they performed pretty well throughout this one. Yeah, no, absolutely they did. I mean, there's a lot of credit that needs to go around. Obviously, we talked about all the things that went wrong as well, but I mean, this game was such a needed thing for this Chargers offense to really break out. I mean, that's really what we wanted. You know, we were like, this is the chance for this Chargers offense, which didn't even really look that good until they put their 16th point on the board. I mean, even the first nine points, it was, you know, getting bailed out by a couple of penalties and also, you know, just getting some lucky breaks. And then they finally kind of got into a rhythm. But I mean, that second half by the Chargers offense, even at the end of the game, getting the first downs to be able to run out the clock, getting, you know, into scoring range again. And really if Gabe neighbors doesn't drop a poorly thrown ball, by Justin Herbert, you probably get another touchdown right there instead of the field goal. But the last thing I want to talk about is Jalen Guyton just continuing what he's done so far this year. I mean, eight catches for 258 yards. I mean, John, both of these guys, Justin Herbert and Jalen Guyton, have had a hell of a connection so far. And it just seems like over at this 30 point, yards a catch, man. It's crazy. Yeah, 32.3 yards per catch. He doesn't have enough attempt or he doesn't have enough catches to technically show up if you look at the leaderboards, but 32.3 yards per catch, and it really just shows off that great deep ball by Justin Herbert, John. Absolutely it does, and it shows you what this offense can be when it has its deep threat wide receiver. Last year, we probably could have seen a lot of this if they started Guyton over Travis Benjamin. I'm not trying to be funny or nothing. I'm being honest. If Jalen Guyton had started over Travis Benjamin last year, you probably would have seen more of this kind of stuff. He probably wouldn't. I've been trailing early in games. Well, and I mean, we ended up seeing some Jalen Guyton, and him and Phillip Rivers had absolutely zero chemistry. And I would also say that I don't think they set up Jalen Guyton very well either last year with some of those play calls that they had. I mean, we would go up and down the game with a bunch of three and outs, and it would take like a Mike Williams jump ball to get us going. Like, I feel like we didn't really set up Jalen Guyton really. If we need, if we had him, even Travis Benjamin was here. Like every now and then, he'd have his shot, but he dropped the ball. But I don't even think you set up Travis Benjamin really well. But when he has opportunities, he dropped it. When Guyton has gotten his opportunities, he has caught these balls. 
these have been money throws. These have been those lofting it over the corner and into Guyton's hands type of deep balls, and they go to the house, or they almost go to the house. These are money throws, but Herbert has also been doing things on the ground that we haven't seen Charger quarterbacks do before. So as much as he's doing great things in the air, he's doing things on the ground as well. I mean, just to give you an idea, like the Chargers' all-time leading rusher amongst quarterbacks is John Hadel, who only has 1,013 yards in his career. Herbert already has 121, so he's already 12% of the way <laughs> to earning crazy. that record. <laughs> and then stuff like the longest QB runs in history. Herbert had a 31-yarder in this game. The longest is only 37 yards, so he's, he was only six yards away from that record. And then he already just broke the Chargers record for yards in a game by quarterback. And we had two guys from the 1960s that had that record, basically. You had John Hadel from 62 had 60 yards in a game, and Jack Kemp had 50 yards in a game, and then Doug Flutie had 53 in 2003. But these are records that current-day Chargers couldn't break. Herbert is something special for this team. Yeah, and they're records that have been in place for a long time. I mean, he's obviously the most athletic quarterback that they've ever had uh, as a starter. I mean, easily. I don't think that's any su- surprise to anyone. But really, it just makes you look back at Chargers history and just like, you guys have always had some men-footed quarterbacks, huh? I mean, Doug Flutie wasn't. But for the most part, they haven't had the guys that are the most fleet of foot. But I think that's just something that's going to continue to grow in his game. And I would wonder how much the Chargers are really going to let that be exposed a lot. I mean, they said that they got Easton Stick on the field just for a design quarterback run. So we'll see how much he's allowed to use it. But when he does use it, Anthony Lynn wants him to slide instead of knocking out linebackers because he almost knocked another guy out on Sunday. I mean, he probably had to get checked out because he was seeing stars after that one. Justin Herbert is a big load to take right to the face like that. So that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. We have a bunch of voicemails to get into, but I think we have some space for some more voicemails. So if you guys want to get on the show, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. You guys can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and like our Facebook page, Locked On Chargers. We post the shows to both of those places. But the easiest and fastest way to get the show is to follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. But tomorrow we'll be getting back into your guys' game reactions and much more in the voicemail segments. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.